I'll just shoot you straight. If you drop dead, that job is going to keep on sure. going. They don't care about you like that. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. That job, they're going to cry, share donuts and, and juice. <laughs> Not donuts uh, and juice. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, y'all? Welcome to the A Space to Breathe podcast, a podcast for Black men to be free, open, and vulnerable away from the pressures of manhood we find in different aspects of our lives. Uh, This is episode nine of season three. Um, And if you remember, if you've been following us, we are in our Heal Brothers series this season. Um, And we are listening to Real Brothers experiences Real brothers, <laughs> brothers, real experiences. Yeah, <laughs> of their, I think I um, qualify. Right, right, right. <laughs> of their, of their, of their uh, healing, of their journeys and healing, the steps, the practical steps they're taking. Um, I'm excited to have, um, man, my friend, my brother, like my, my. I thought you were my disciple at one point, like all the things. Um, Terrence on here. Um, Terrence, thanks for coming through. Absolutely, absolute joy to come on here, man. I'm excited to see where this podcast has grown to, where Breathe the Brother has grown to. So, super excited to be a part of this tonight. Yeah, yeah, um, Terrence. Yeah, man. Like, like I said, Terrence has been been here from the beginning, been supporting from the beginning. Uh, Terrence, actually, you actually read Breathe before anybody else. Yeah, um, as like a content. Uh, editor content just advisor um and so yeah i appreciate you um and i think i feel like i like you help you help push me in this help give me (laughs) some like um extra motivation to do it um and so um yeah man i i think i i I try to tell you that i appreciate you but i also want to tell you again that i appreciate you uh for, for everything that you've done well, man, I'm excited about what you're doing yeah. and how God has used it and just everything. It's all coming together. It's, it's cool to see it all come together. So. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Um, but, I mean, we kind of already talked, but before we go too deep, introduce yourself a little bit in any way that you feel comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. So, Terrence Gray, I am currently residing in the Detroit metro area, but I am from Memphis, Tennessee, born and raised. Pastor, father, husband. My daughter is Luca. I like to say that she is caffeine in human form. She is <laughs> full of so much energy all the time. And she's two years old, so she keeps us super busy. And uh, my wife, Ashley, love of my life, best friend. And so, yeah, we're doing this thing together. That's that's the great tribe. I'm a pastor, a full-time ministry up here, so I'm serving in a pastoral role here in Michigan. Been here for two years, loving it. Love what Brennan is doing. I'm also an advocate for seeing African-American men flourish and thrive. So a uh, big fan of what's going on here at Breathe Brother. Cool, cool. All right. Um, if you had to pick North or South? Man, you put me on the spot. This is not fair. <laughs> this is so not fair. All right, it's not fair because I have to be brutally honest. I'm, I'm really loving the North. Okay. I, I really love the North. Okay. 
Okay. I'll just leave it at that. I won't go into any detail. Right okay, now. okay. <laughs> food, um, the food is better in the south, though. I give okay. the south the food, but yeah, I'm, I'm loving loving the north. Okay. Um, mountains or beach? Beach. Why? I'm not climb. I'm not climbing a mountain. <laughs> Why would I do that? Why would I put myself through that? Right. I'm I'm gonna enjoy me a mai tai or something on on the beach. So. <laughs> Okay. And they got beaches in Michigan, so I, I love that. So, oh, okay, I didn't realize that yeah. they have beach. I guess yeah. on the on the lakes. Oh, Lake Michigan, yeah, yeah on the yeah, uh, yeah. west side. Okay, okay. Um, let's see one more. Um, brunch or dinner? Brunch. I like okay. brunch. There's something to the social experience that is brunch. Yeah. You know. You always eat dinner, but you don't always eat brunch. Brunch is, is, brunch is special. That yeah. is true. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool, cool. Uh, let's go ahead and jump in. We always start yeah. out with our check-in, um, just like in the journal. Um, you good, bro? How you feeling today? How am I feeling today? I had a busy day. So I'm, I'm, I'm feeling, if, you know, we're being honest, and that's a part of the check-in. I am feeling the weight of my responsibility. So I mentioned some of those earlier. You know, I'm in pastoral ministry. Um, I'm, uh, I'm a father. I'm a husband. And so, yeah, been been a long one, but a good one. And so I'm feel, I'm feeling the the um, yeah feeling the weight of some of that. So uh, I'm appreciating that conversation to just wind down. Yeah. Uh, not feeling crushing weight, but. Uh, I'm feeling the weight of hey, you're a grown man. You got things to do. <laughs> man, so, man, so. adults in is for the birds. <laughs> yes, that's right. What were we thinking? Right, what were we thinking? right. Uh, cool. I am. I'm feeling tired. Um, mm-hmm. And similarly, I think I'm starting to feel a bit more of a pressure. Um, of just like navigating um, all the roles that I, I kind of play. Um, mm-hmm. So I think really been trying to find, I feel like I give so much to fatherhood right now. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. very little for like all the other pieces. <laughs> and so and how, how old? How old is she? She now? is five months. Oh, five months. So she, she's funny. Um, she's starting to, her little personality start to come through. Um, but at the same time, she also wants your attention all the time. Like, yeah. She wants you in your face, in her face all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like, wow, that's the best. When I, it is great, but at the same time, it's like, I'm not getting anything done today. Like, and it feels like her naps go so quick. Like, as yeah. soon as I put her down, it's like, it feels like it's time for her to wake back up again. So I'm just like, Whew. On the days that I have her, it's definitely a marathon. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, just beginning too. I know, I know, but uh, yeah, man. So just kind of still trying to navigate and adjust, uh, but feeling feeling like I'm starting to get a groove a little bit more. So that's been good. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and jump in. Um, so yep. I'm going to ask you the same question I've asked all my guests this season. Uh, what's something that you are either currently healing from or have healed from? Yeah. So for me, 
the, the answer to that question is anxiety and depression. I've, I've had a long anxiety and depression journey that, to be honest, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have defined as an anxiety and depression journey maybe even 10 years ago. Mm. I, I didn't have language for it. I was uh, somewhere in between misinformed and uninformed as it related to what was going on in my body. And so mm. it's been a, it's been a heck of a journey. So, Yeah. Yeah. Can you speak a little bit to kind of maybe what the onset of that anxiety and depression was for you? Uh, or at least like when you figured out that's what it was, what was that kind of journey and process like? Yeah. Back in 2016, I moved back to Memphis and the anxiety portion of it, I moved back to Memphis from Texas. Mm. So me and my wife were in Texas for a couple of years. I was on staff at a pretty large church in Texas and I worked all day, all night. And so um, I was uh, giving a lot of myself to work and everything else was on the back burner. My health was on the back burner. My relationship with my wife was on the back burner. And I was just uh, robot producing. And so that took its toll on me. And uh, I moved from that role in that job and I moved back to Memphis in summer of 2016. And when I moved back to Memphis in summer of 2016, it is as if my body just released all of the toxins that I had been holding in all that time. So it, it's if all of the stress and the depression and trauma just just released itself. Maybe because I had been moving at such a fast pace for so long, yeah. and then finally when I got back to Memphis, I was able to I was able to rest. And it just it just hit me. And so just to give you a, a couple examples, um, I wasn't able to go on a walk. We lived in downtown Memphis. I, w- I wasn't able to go on a walk without having a full-blown panic attack. And I didn't know why. Wow. Um, I was doing music at the time. I had a friend of mine, Andrew Crutcher in Memphis, who had a studio. And you know, I was supposed to go see him uh, to record music. We, we tried to set up studio sessions maybe five times. Each time I'd get in that car and drive four or five minutes, I'd start having a full-blown uh, anxiety and panic attack, and I'd have to turn around. Mm. And it, it had gotten to a point where the anxiety and depression, uh, the anxiety that I had been able to suppress was starting to affect just everyday stuff. You know, yeah. Couldn't go for a walk, couldn't drive, couldn't have a conversation. So, Yeah. Oh, that, that's, that's thank you for sharing that. I think that it reminds me of this idea of just kind of like I think it like a lot of times me as men are told to stuff and we're told to push down those emotions and it's something I talked to with, with some other guests this season. But I think it always <laughs> I think your your examples is like is an example of like it always comes out like mm-hmm. even when you try to stuff like even when like you try to um, maybe keep pushing through it, ignore it or whatever, like it's going to show itself up um, some in some way. So like when you had that experience, kind of what was coming to mind? Like, what did you feel like? How did you kind of, what steps did you take when you um, experienced 
this like these panic attacks out of nowhere mm-hmm. it forced me to open up and talk to someone mm-hmm. because it and it forced me to be to be honest with people that i didn't want to talk about this with like i didn't want to tell andrew sorry man once again this weird thing is happening to my body yeah. i don't know exactly what it is but all i know is once again i have to counsel on you mm-hmm. um I remember being at lunch with a good friend um, at Chick-fil-A and we were sitting across the table. It was was bad, man. I remember sitting across the table from him and just like, hey, I got to go. And he was like, that's all right, man. We'll meet another time. I was like, I got to go. I had hit a wall. I was only 28. And uh, and so that the next step was just to start telling people like, this is something that I hid for so long, but now I'm forced to tell my friends about it. I'm forced yeah. to tell my wife about it. Yeah. And uh, and opening up about it and hearing people say, hey, you might want to get some help with that, which is what I didn't want. <laughs> my shame did not want anybody to tell me that I need to get help or do yeah. anything. So the first step, yes, was opening it up and telling somebody I have this thing that happens and I don't know why. So yeah. Speak more about that shame. Where did where was the shame coming from? I felt like I was broken and I felt like it was weakness and there was something, there was a script in my head that said, you know, a man isn't supposed to be weak in his emotion emotional world. That's something you're supposed to be able to control. You're supposed mm-hmm. to be strong. You're supposed to be able to hold it together. And it looks like something broke you. It looks like, you know, maybe work broke you. Yeah. You know, you 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 pushed it and you couldn't hack it. And now you're broken um, by these things that you tried to do. And that was, that was shameful to me uh, that something had broken me. Uh, because I was, I was, man, I was depleted. Not only was I anxious, but I was exhausted physically. I, I was just, I was, I was on red. So, yeah, yeah, it's really interesting because it's like, again, we are men. We as men are told that like work is what we do, um, and a lot of times we find our worth in work, uh, and our outputs and our achievements and whatever else that comes is like um, as a result of work. And that was the same thing that then led to this depletion, then led to this anxiety, then led to kind of your body having this, I guess, um, response to being put under so much. So how do you kind of navigate that? Like, how did you navigate that then? How do you navigate that now? This idea of like, I'm, I feel like as a man, I'm supposed to work, but also work is <laughs> the thing that yeah. has these negative uh outcomes for me too yeah so yeah that that year 2016 like i said i was absolutely broken and when i moved back to memphis i didn't work right away thinking about i need to talk to my wife about this tonight and thank her because i think i hadn't thought about it in a while Mm. my first 30 days back to memphis i didn't work she worked Mm. and you know that was even humbling yeah. She said, "Just take take a month, and just take a month and just breathe and heal and rest." Mm. And I needed it. I couldn't have step foot in nobody's office at that in that season. Yeah. And so, uh, 
by God's grace, I had about 30 to 40 days just to do nothing uh, but to tend to myself and give attention to myself, which I needed. Um, as it relates to work, I, from that moment forward, I, you know, I, I started to uh, put boundaries in place. There are things that I don't do, and uh, I, I have stopped doing certain things then, and I don't do those things now, uh, such as taking on too much, um, taking on things that I know aren't for me, mm-hmm. uh, but maybe I'm wanting to please somebody, so I do them. I, I, I stopped doing, mm-hmm. <laughs> I stopped doing that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Um, I upset some people because I declined opportunities and I uh, reduced my commitment to certain things yeah. because I just couldn't do it. So, yeah. And how did you navigate those moments? Like, would you say, uh, first? Would you say that in the past you've been like a people pleaser? Yeah, I, I was. I think that was the crux of my problem initially. Mm. Um, there was a script in my head that said, you know, if you make people happy, you'll you'll get rewarded in some kind of way. People pleasing isn't um, selfless. People pleasing is a subtle form of manipulation. If mm. I do something for you, you know, I'm banking on the fact that you're going to do something in return for me. If I please my boss, maybe I get a promotion. Maybe I get affirmation. Maybe I get recognition, some kind of advancement. And, you know, you, you, so therefore you serve, you know, you serve that idol and you try to please it in, mm. in hopes of getting something in return. And so initially, uh, early, in my earlier days of work, I just did whatever was asked of me and more uh, in hopes of some kind of affirmation, some kind of recognition, yeah. uh, in hopes that it would reward me in some kind of way. So that was definitely uh, part of the issue. Yeah. So. Yeah. Dang, that's, I mean, <laughs> I had to sit with that because now I'm thinking about, I know that I also have had people-pleasing tendencies myself and even like this idea of let it being a subtle form of manipulation. And yeah, like some, I am in some ways wanting affirmation. So I want to please you so you can then say I'm good or I am excellent or whatever. Like, because you're, you also are an achiever, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 That was a lot of it. I didn't want to look like a loser. I didn't want to, I didn't want to look like I couldn't hack it. Right. And so, man, I was working 12 hour days every day, you know, leaving the house at, leaving the house at 8 a.m., getting back home at like 11 p.m. on a regular basis mm. you know so that was that was my life I only ate dinner with my wife about five times our first year of marriage probably five times wow D- dinner with my wife was like going on a vacation that's how like special it was we didn't we didn't do it we didn't have time wow wow it was terrible it was terrible and uh I was working at uh, I was working long amounts of hours, but they were also very intense. So mm. I was, you know, very intense, uh, toxic work environment that doesn't help. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, when I started the role, I was 26. 
and I finished it at 28. And yeah, just I started to reach my physical and emotional limits. And so, yeah, I, yeah. wow, that that's 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 good. that's huge, man. Can you talk a little bit more? So you talked a little bit about like what the anxiety looked looked like. Can you talk a little bit more about what the depression looked like as well? Yeah, the depression. Um, so I'll take a step back with depression. A lot of times, you reach a point of depression uh, once you feel powerless. Mm-hmm. You know, powerlessness usually comes before depression. It's a sense of I am not in control of this situation, and so uh, my emotions are just gonna cut off. They're gonna go hide somewhere, and I'm not showing up for life because I don't feel like I have any power in the situation. And for me, I didn't feel like I had any power over the um, the hours that I was working. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't have any power over what was being demanded of me. That's the way I felt. I, I felt that I didn't have any power to, to, to speak truth back uh, to those who were uh, influencing me in that season. Uh, I felt like I had no power over, um, you know, my my relationship with my spouse, I couldn't make her happy because how could I? I'm never I'm never there. Yeah. And so with all of that, I just felt utterly powerless, hopeless. Um, I was, you know, all of that happened while I was in ministry working at a church, and so there was kind of this feeling of, oh my God, this can't be it. Yeah. This can't be my life. You know, I worked on Saturdays every Saturday. Uh, I remember driving to the church on Saturdays, like, man, this sucks. This this is what I've. This is what I've been preparing for. This is my calling in life. This is, this is it, man. It felt like a black hole, and I'm young at the time. I'm, I'm uh, still building my resume, so yeah. there's this pressure of, man. If I mess up, I'm still young in the game. So if I mess up, I don't have that much to fall back on. What if I mess up and my name gets ruined? You know, mm. uh, my Jeez. reputation gets tarnished. Yeah. And so I never get another shot again. So I gotta, be, I gotta be good at this. I gotta do good at this, because what if these people speak poorly of me? And so it's all that kind of stuff playing through my head. And um, man, I it was that was some dark, dark days. That was yeah. some dark days and, and, and dark nights, man. I, um, I, you know, there was some seasons of feeling utterly helpless. Um, yeah, not not wanting to go forward. I was I felt trapped. Yeah. I didn't realize you were talking about a ministry job when you Yeah, were, that was a ministry job. Man. That adds another layer to it because it's even yeah, the, like <laughs> I yeah. feel like it, it it one, I think it humanizes you as a pastor and humanizes pastors. Yeah. Um, but also I think how did you, I think it like begs the question, like, how did you like reckon through that? Like with faith, with, I know we talked about this in previous conversations, but like you're, uh, you're this, like you're in this ministry role, uh, but you're also feeling super anxious. You're having these depressive thoughts as well. Like, how do you, how did you kind of navigate or even re- reckon those two kind of pieces as you were in that space? Yeah. You know, Winston Churchill once said, you can't negotiate with a tiger when your head is in its mouth. It's too late. 
And so you have to pull your head out of that tiger's mouth. And so, or never put your head in that tiger's mouth. And so for me, I had to just get out of that situation in order to um, to find peace and find um, room to uh, to even begin the process healing because that environment wasn't going to negotiate with me. Mm. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. going to negotiate with me. My head was in the tiger's mouth. Yeah. I had to perform. And so there come times where you have to separate yourselves, uh, yourself from certain environments if you're not in agreement with that environment. And so that was the step of faith that I had to take. It was to trust God uh, that he had me, even if I left that situation. You yeah. know, I left, you know, as far as me being in ministry, I left that situation not knowing whether or not I was going to continue in ministry. All mm -hmm. I know was that wasn't a healthy space for me, and I had to leave. So, Yeah, yeah, man, that's good. Um, I think I heard, like, kind of two things so far of, like, really that were key in like your steps for healing. One was like being able to open up and talk to others, even if you didn't want to. Um, mm. But then also like, you kind of mentioned uh, boundaries that you had to set, um, mm. specifically around work. Um, and I think that boundaries is something that I'm a huge advocate of mm -hmm. uh, and has led me to, for instance, step away from my full-time job. Um, yeah, yeah. But what, boundaries or what boundaries do you what are some of those boundaries that you have you've set uh for your work life now so it doesn't ever get back to that space yeah um i say no when, when i when i need to uh, i give myself the freedom to say that word um i try not to bring too much work home you know um you know, every now and then you have a crazy deadline or something mm -hmm. like that. But on a regular basis, I'm trying not to bring work home. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's also matured for me into just knowing my body and knowing my limits. And so, I just don't, I don't push myself past those limits. I think when I was younger, there was a little bit of arrogance that thought literally. Excuse me. There's nothing I can't do, and if I can think it, I'm gonna, gonna do, I'm gonna do it. You know, all those 1990s anthem songs that came out that said we can, uh, you know, climb all the mountains and all that. <laughs> all the Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston motivational, inspirational songs yeah. that came out. I believe all that stuff. And so, um, you know, I kind of lived like I was limitless. Mm. It, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm embracing the boundaries that are already set for me. You know, mm. I have things that I can't do. I only have so much time. I only have so much energy. And when those things start to uh, deplete, I, I stop. I only, only, uh, yeah, I only do so much. And so I try to be excellent in what I do. I try to work hard. I believe that's something that um, I'm supposed to do, but yeah, I, I embrace I embrace my God-given limitations of time and energy. Yeah, and I feel like that's such a counter narrative again to what we are told as men, <laughs> like yeah. not being able to do everything, not being able to be Superman, not being able to like burn both ends of the candle is seen as any is is not man enough. Uh, yeah, is seen as not, as weak, uh, and so it kind of feels like man that like you're in your 
your healing journey, there has been like this redefining of what it means to show up as a man, uh, what it means to show up as a man and work <laughs> even, and, and this, the power and the importance and identity that you place within work, uh, which is pretty huge. <laughs> Just like, like, yeah. like recognizing that man. Um, and I guess it's kind of like what helps, what keeps you, uh, what helps you keep that, what helps you maintain that perspective. Um, I think yeah. I, it's an ideal perspective for a lot of men. It's not an ideal perspective for me. And I think I, I get like roped back into this narrative of like, I should be doing this. I should be doing like, I start like putting all this pressure on myself. Um, and so how do you kind of maintain like this new idea of, of what it means to show up as a man, what it means is to show up as a man in your work. Yeah. It's about priorities and what matters most, man. Hmm. I, I'll just shoot you straight. If you drop dead, that job is going to keep on going. <laughs> True. They don't care about you like that. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. That job, they're going to cry, yeah. share donuts and, and juice. And, <laughs> Not donuts uh, and juice. <laughs> <laughs> cry about you, man. And they're going to replace you. They're going to put your job on Indeed.com. Yeah. You know, if yeah. the budget, they have to make budget cuts yeah. and you're on the chopping block, they're going to say thank you for your, your work. And, but the other power, but you, 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 um, you know, you have to, you're going to still be there. You have to manage you. You know, what about you when the job is gone? You know, when they moved on without you, what about you? You know, uh, you have to manage yourself. You have to care for yourself. What about your family? Right. Yeah. And so these short-term commitments don't deserve all of our attention like that. And a lot of times we give them so much of ourselves. And we, we're supposed to give them something. But uh, for me, it's just been a prioritizing of who and what matters most. And so uh, work is important. Don't get me wrong. And I, I love what I do. I love where I'm doing it currently here in Michigan. Um, but, you know, they can find another pastor. Hopefully my, uh, you know, my wife is not about to, you know, can't <laughs> find yeah. another man. Uh, I think I'm uh, more irreplaceable at home. Yeah. So, uh, oh, that's good, man. That's good. So I feel like you're you're in a pretty good spot <laughs> right now, but I like to ask this question um, at the end. Uh, where do you hope to be? in your healing journey a year from now? Yeah. I just hope that I continue, you know, walking in freedom and continue, um, you know, I, I just, I pray for wisdom. I, that's what I, I hope for wisdom to be able to discern, you know, what deserves, you know, all of me and, and, and what doesn't. And so you can, you can, easily get sucked into things and it's hard to say no you know mm. i've had to say no recently i had to tell somebody no like a couple weeks ago and it was it's kind of painful and i don't know how they're going to feel about it in the long term um but i hope that i'm able to still keep doing that type of thing uh i hope that i'm able to dig deep and find the courage to set boundaries where necessary because the people pleasing can creep up on me still and so I just pray for the courage and hope for the courage that I'll be able to, you know, have the wisdom and courage to set those boundaries yeah. as I need to. That's good. 
Yeah, I think on your the saying no piece, I think something that I've been trying to sit with is like my no is a yes to something else. Yeah. So every time I say no, like to something, some opportunity, uh, I'm saying yes to more time with my family. Yeah. Uh, and trying yeah. to, to your point of priorities, trying to make sure that like I'm saying yes to the things that are aligned with my priorities. And mm-hmm. saying no to the things that aren't, so I can do more of the things that are my priorities. Um, For sure. And so, yeah, man. Uh, all right, last question. Yeah. Uh, what advice would you give to another brother who is um, trying to heal in the same area that you have started to work in, whether it is um, they're feeling those feelings of anxiety and depression or feel like, they're giving so much to work and don't have those boundaries. Uh, what kind of things would you say to them? Yeah. So I think know yourself, um, you know, continue to learn yourself, learn your body and pay attention to your body and pay, you know, pay attention to what your body is trying to tell you, huh. you know, in those earlier seasons in 2016, I think, my anxiety was in this uh, very focused, acute phase where I was going through these very intense emotions. But as time progressed, you know, that, that those things lingered for years after that. Mm. Um, you know, it didn't go away quickly. It didn't go away with a couple of conversations. I went to counseling. It didn't even go away with counseling. Uh, went to a psychiatrist. I didn't go away with, psych- with a psychiatrist. Mm. Um, it took a lot of time getting to understand myself and know myself to truly understand how to find the holistic healing that I needed. Yeah. And so for me, man, that looked, that did look like talk therapy and counseling. Um, it eventually ended up looking like medication, which I take to this day. I take a little blue pill every day. I think my situation became chronic. You know, I had that very intense season, uh, but you know, it, it the the anxiety and depression stuck with me. And the reality is, if I stopped taking my medication today, I don't know, you know, what that would look like. But that's a, you know, that's a part of my healing. Uh, the actual physical, tangible med- medication that I need is a part of that, and that might be a part of somebody's story. Yeah. And I, I, I suffered a lot because I didn't want to take that step of mm. the. Of embracing it, like yeah, this is there is something physiologically broken uh, that you're gonna need uh, some medical treatment for, and so um, yeah, it can it can get to that point, and I just want to encourage any brother who may feel like they may be there. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Uh, that might be a part of your your process as as well. So yeah, yeah, man. Well, cool, bro. I uh, appreciate you coming through. Appreciate you sharing your story. Um, I never take it lightly that people decide to share their story on my platform. Um, so I appreciate you for that, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and all right, y'all. This is the second to last episode of this season. Uh, and we have a special season finale because I'm going to share part of my healing journey. Um, and so excited for that episode to drop excited for y'all to hear a little bit more about me um and so actually i don't know if excited is the right word 
<laughs> it's kind of vulnerable. <laughs> so I am hopeful that it's helpful. I'll say that. Um, <laughs> me sharing a little bit more about my uh, my healing journey. Um, but as always, remember that breathing is a black man is an act of resistance.